Going to throw here to Parker at the 20, at the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He is almost. He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got it in! He got it in! He got it in! Well, howdy, welcome back to the Red Ass Podcast, where even you can dress up nicer than the fine folks at the Met Gala. <laughs> I've never seen so many rich people kiss their own asses. Man, I, I tell you, I don't know what it is about it, but every single year, that thing comes around, it's just, we get closer and closer to the Hunger Games with those outfits. Uh it's just a group of people that are completely out of touch with reality. It's it's like the Oscars. Like nobody cares. I honestly like, it's they all just sit around and, and kiss you know each other's butts. And it's I don't. And I, I I get it. Like I get that it's awards and people need to be recognized for things, but it, when when these things are, are no longer about the actual awards and nobody cares about what's actually happening and it's just about the red carpet. I. That's when I completely lose what tiny shred of interest I might have ever even possibly had about it. <laughs> yeah, so um, the reason uh, we are we are back here again, um, the problem was uh, we accidentally lost um, the podcast that we were recording yesterday. It wasn't accidental. We didn't do anything. It wasn't our fault. It was the neighbors shorting out the entire building and then laughing about it. Yeah, you're not wrong. It was... Um, it did not go well, but the nice part is they will never listen to this podcast, so we can certainly talk about it. Well, I'm not <laughs> so. going to name him by name, but when he like when the dude like, was like, "Oh my bad," <laughs> and he smiled, I was like, "I just smashed her face against the wall." Yeah, wasn't wasn't very happy about it. But hey, you know, we kind of have an idea of what we we're going to talk about. We'll jump in on it. But um, you know, just kind of subjects this week. We're just going to kind of cover what we, you know, basically what we had to deal with this past for this past football game. Kind of see what we're. The things that worked, what didn't, and well, was, what to expect this week. It was the whole Saturday, though. I mean, it, or just our game. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and talk for an hour about our game because it's been hashed through thoroughly. By multiple podcasts, yeah, multiple but, well, threads every, on text. Every, everybody. <laughs> I still haven't even caught up on the Meltdown thread. It's like reading a war and peace at this point. <laughs> but, uh, no, it, Saturday was crazy, and, and everybody knows it. And the Ohio State-Oregon game was um, – I don't know that it was overly surprising – uh, I, I, after seeing how Ohio State played uh, played Minnesota in Week One, it was uh, you know you didn't know if that was Week One kind of jitters and rust or if that's kind of who Ohio State is. And um, and Oregon came to play and surprisingly, uh, even without Kayvon uh, uh, Thibodeau or Kayvon, I, I think it's Kayvon Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, who's going to be our first round, probably like top five pick. Um, even with him not able to play, Oregon uh, that. That game was it as close as the score would indicate. Uh, I thought Oregon completely dominated it. I was actually that was one game I was able to watch on Saturday because I was in New Hampshire for a wedding and the wedding reception was awful. Or <laughs> no, excuse me, no, the wedding reception was lovely. Sure, the cell phone reception, excuse me, was awful. Yeah, the cell phone reception was <laughs> terrible. Um, and the the place we were at, uh, it's a beautiful place in New Hampshire, but uh, it's in Newcastle, New Hampshire. Mm. But um, that it's very very high class hotel and the bar had one TV. Uh, oh boy. Yeah. So and when I when I went down uh, to to I was, I was waiting on the guys to show up. Um, I went down to, to catch football and golf was on. And so makes sense. I was like, that's weird because it's Saturday in the fall. But uh, 
But I uh, got to change it over, watch a little bit of the Ohio State-Oregon game, and then when we went up to the room to all get ready and you know start going through the whole rigmarole that is the wedding these days where mm-hmm. you have to have a photographer in the changing room. Heaven forbid you not document every single second. I, 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 I get it. I do. Um, I, I had a, a wedding vid- videographer. who was a friend of my sister's, a longtime kind of family friend, and, and that was his gift to us to, was to do a video, and it was awesome, but... It's a Man, lot. It's like three photographers, <laughs> a videographer. You know, you've got a planner, and that planner has like three assistants. And it's uh, it, and this wasn't like a 500-person wedding by any means. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's just the whole planning of that is um, intense is a nice way to put it. Oh, for but, sure. So I, so I didn't get to watch the A&M game. Uh, I peaked up, and it was 7 nothing Colorado. And that's that was the last thing I saw until after the wedding. Uh, I managed to get a tiny little bit of service, and I caught the Spiller touchdown. Um, yep. Well, I was watching the play, and it literally froze mid-play, and I got a text from my wife, who was you know here in College Station oh, watching no. the game. She's getting a Spiller TD, uh, and i got to be honest, I wasn't even mad about the spoiler. Uh, and I saw the text, and I was like, right on, and then maybe a, two or three seconds after I sent her a text back, I, it, the reception kicked back on, and I saw the, saw the touchdown. So Yeah. I, I didn't get a chance to watch the game proper uh, outside of really the final two offensive drives, which conveniently were the two offensive drives we did the best on. Well, it's the only two worth watching. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, you know, you had you know you had what we thought was the euphoria of a touchdown, only to be stripped away. And obviously, as you said yesterday, the football gods, you just thought they were looking at us going, you're not winning today. Well, I, what was weird is, you know, during, during games, and it doesn't matter if I'm in New Hampshire, apparently, um, I have a handful of friends that like to uh, text back and forth about the game, and they're, most of them are, are doomsday kind of naysayers, and mm-hmm. um, and some of them are just uh, just trying to text back and forth, but you know, I just let them know, look, I'm not going to be texting for a while. I'm literally putting my phone behind the front desk of the hotel. So you're a little busy. But, um, uh, but you, you know, finding out about the Haynes King injury was about the last bit of news I got. Um, yeah, which is obviously unfortunate. But Yeah, I, I, I was surprised that um, – that uh, that wasn't a penalty because it looked like he kind of body slammed him. I um, mean, that's a I mean that's a penalty now. Yeah, you, you can't just pick people up and throw them. Unnecessary roughness, you know, yeah, that kind of deal. Um, and then, uh, but the Calzada fumble, uh, a lot of people were texting me and were like, I, yeah, "It wasn't even a fumble." Blah blah blah. I watched it; it was a fumble. It's a fumble. It's, it's yeah. un, it was it was uh, unfortunate. I don't even I don't even put that on Calzada. Uh, yeah, you know, that was just a ton of effort and. Every once in a while, it just doesn't bounce your way, and it just started to come loose. But uh, I thought the mental fortitude for him to uh, come back the very next drive and take it really the same length, 70-some-odd yards down the field, and and throw what was literally just the perfect pass to Spiller on a wheel route. Um, yeah, it's nice to be completing wheel routes as opposed to not defending them. Right. And <laughs> I'll say that was one thing that really I was a big fan of, I was really excited about, was seeing Calzada coming back from – what was a very disappointing ending to a drive? I mean, a long drive. And, and, you know, you're talking about being a non-starter on the road in that situation. You feel like any other quarterback probably would have trembled, but um, he actually did a great job of just shaking it off, coming back right back down and pretty much running the exact same drive, same style. Well, Throw the ball, um, eat up eat up yardage and clock and ended up scoring uh, what would be the game-winning touchdown after the defense told him, go ahead and score one. We've got this. Well, I thought he understood uh, that it wasn't his fault. You know, it's it's easy not to get down on yourself when the mistake isn't a a personal mistake. And 
And then you look at Jumbo on the sidelines and the way he was dealing with, with Calzada coming in, Calzada coming in and, and coaching him throughout the game. I mean, at one point, he like patted the top of his head like mm-hmm. he was his son, and, and that's kind of what you expect out of Jumbo with quarterbacks. So, right. um, you know, it was it was quite a whirlwind of a day because, you know, after us was this was the SIP Arkansas game. And, uh, and if, oh, I had been, <laughs> if, if I had been in college station, those would have been the three games I would have paid the most attention to. It would, would have been the Oregon game, us, and then, you know, SIPs and Arkansas. Um so, uh, you know, unfortunately, I just kind of caught snippets here and there. Uh, yeah, the reception was at the hotel, so, you know, same cell, cell phone, you know, coverage and reception. Right. But, um, but when I could catch it, it was uh, – it warmed my heart. Yeah, we, we ended up watching a bit of the game afterwards because, you know, our game ended and I ended up going uh, – yeah, we were setting up backstage. We were pretty much already set up by the point – uh, of our game being over, so it was just us waiting for the opening band to finish. And while we were waiting for that, we got a chance to catch Arkansas and Texas. I really didn't watch any of the game. I just kept up with updates. And it just did not look like it was any kind of fun uh, for Texas. I mean, certainly for the rest of the nation. But uh, I think um, particularly with Arkansas, I mean, they just kept running the same plays over and over and over, and Texas wouldn't make adjustments. It was wild. Well, there I thought there were a lot of similarities uh, between the Ohio State Oregon game and the Texas Arkansas game. Uh, the scores obviously weren't, uh, you know, the, the scores didn't mirror each other. But sure, I thought Oregon was dominant. Um, I, I really did, and I know that they gave up twenty eight points. Um, but the score was not reflective. Yeah, of, of one, one of them was result. late, uh, where you're up by two touchdowns, and you don't mind if they take time to score. Right. Um, but giving up twenty one points to well, what is a high powered you know, Ohio State offense. Ohio State offense hasn't been, you know, mediocre in a decade. No, it's been a very you good know, so, offense. So they've been good. Yeah. So the ability to kind of <clears throat> keep them in check, right? Ohio State scoring 28 points with one of the touchdowns coming real late in the game yeah. at home in the horseshoe. <clears throat> is That's a big defensive effort. It was. And, uh, and I thought it was about the same defensive effort from Arkansas. Uh, it just so happens that the Texas offense isn't worth the crap. You know, you get yeah. past all the – off-season and camp reports of, you know, a defensive front that that's or it's really defensive line that's apparently going to be like the best in the nation going against what's a phenomenal offensive line. But then you actually have to play people other than you know that other than in your jerseys. Sure. <laughs> and it shows. And that was one where you know the ooh la la game. Uh, I mean, what did you glean from it? It's, it's like the old Miss game that we saw against Louisville, right? Sure. <clears throat> like old Miss looked really good. I guess you could say they have a defense. But maybe they don't. Maybe Louisville just really sucks. I mean, Louisville isn't picked to do anything in the ACC. They're not picked to do anything in their division. So, what do you get from that? You know, what do you, what do you get from that old Miss score? I don't think you get anything from it, honestly. And I know that that was first weekend, but mm-hmm. again, you know, we're too early in the season to make any sort of insane predictions. But it, we're certainly not too early to have overreactions, right? No, absolutely not. I mean, you look at Louisville, and you just kind of going to your point. You know, they came back around. They beat Eastern Kentucky thirty to three. But who even is that? So what? A&M consolidated. They beat yeah. Eastern Kentucky. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares about those games. So again, you even if you've played a, a good opponent, you've also played a bad opponent at this point. You know, right. we've we've been fortunate that I don't think Colorado's that good. Yeah. Um, and so we've had kind of two uh, kind of lower opponent opponent games. I'm trying to stay away from the phrase tune up because yeah, you know, as Jimbo was quick to say, there's no such thing as a tune up game. Right. Although. Games like Prairie View, you'd love to have earlier when all of a sudden you have a 
sure. you know, your second string quarterback in. Right. Well, and, and the nice part is you do have a New Mexico team that's coming in that honestly is similar to Colorado Light now that I've looked at some more information about them. Same kind of deal where they're a very strong run defense. That's where they've had their strength. And, then, you know, they're 2-0 and on the, on the year at this point. So you got to think that Jimbo's probably going to attack with a similar game plan as far as the pass to kind of loosen up that running defense a little bit, maybe. I don't know. I think Jim will just run right at him because the other catch is, yeah, the running defense is good. Who they played? Nobody. Well, sure. They haven't haven't played anybody. That might be your strength relative as a defense, but if you're not a good defense, it doesn't matter. And I get that they're 2-0, but again, you know, they probably played dipshit university and, you know, know, (laughs) left Western, you know, tech. You know, it's just, you know, you're talking about, and I get that they're playing kind of within their level of competition, but, um, and, and like you said, you know, New Mexico State is, I mean, they're terrible. Yeah, New Mexico State's awful. Beating New Mexico State is no different than, than beating Kent State. Right, I mean, yeah. you know, they what, they played Houston Baptist in a 10-point game. They beat them 27 You shouldn't play Houston Baptist if it's not baseball. Like, that's just all <laughs> there is to it. That shouldn't even be a football game. Yeah. So, so it's... <sighs> a little difficult. But, see, you know, now they get to go. Like I said, they're coming into town. And the line's moved since we talked about it yesterday. It's now 29.5 in favor of A&M. Well, so money's pouring in on it. Yeah. So, I mean, needless to say, I think... Um, I think that's still pretty fair. I, I think the eggs will cover. Uh, I, I think, um, one, you're going to see a deep – well, and, and what you, we talked about – again, you're going to hear us say we talked about this yesterday because I swear we talked about this yesterday. Just yeah, stupid did. neighbors. Um, <laughs> but you had a defense that for an entire Colorado game – and really you go back to Kent State. Right. Uh, you, you know, you can add – they've given up 17 points in eight quarters. Right. right. Um, can't argue with that. And, and so uh, – and, and Kent State – are, you know, they are who they are, but their quarterback is legitimate. You know, he was averaging about 400 yards a game in offense last year. Scored 60 uh, points last year. He can run. He can throw. Yeah. Uh, Colorado, Broussard is a is a real good running back. Um, that freshman quarterback, I, he's got potential. Um, I, he, he reminds me of Kellen Mond maybe in the early days when he would pull it down and run a little bit more frequently. Right. Um but, uh, you know, the Colorado could be good maybe next year or so. I, I don't know what year Bruce Hart is and against Colorado football, so I don't really care. But well, And I will say that was one thing that we honestly did a very good job with. I thought, yeah, they looked good early, but we obviously made the adjustments on defense. And that was, honestly, I would say the game changer. Well, there's us. a difference between looking good and scoring points, though. Always. I mean, it, and, you know, you can move the ball between the 25s all you want to, but if you're not producing points, it doesn't really matter. So I think right. that's where you find a little bit of skewed statistics for us defensively as far as what we allowed. Right. Um, but also, you know, you run for 170, you know, 170 yards against us. You know, if you probably five, six chunk running plays from the QB is, is half of that. Right. Um, you know, I thought he had a good day outside of the pocket. That was something we talked about after Kent State. I feel like there's a – Still there's, a still a, there's still an over-pursuit issue to an extent, mm-hmm. and there's a bit of a QB spy, or, or I, don't, I don't know what it is, but I don't know if – because I think that gives a true freshman of Colorado. So I don't – you know, you don't have any tape on him. You don't know if he's the kind of guy that's just going to you know, pull the ball out and run on an RPO. But I, I think it, a quarterback getting loose is going to be a problem. And, and if you don't think that it's going to be a problem in conference play, ask Texas. 
Yeah. That Arkansas quarterback is massive and he can run and he likes to run. So you got to so be careful with him. That's something that well, and he's not going to be the only quarterback we face that that you know loves to turn the ball upfield. No, I'm um, sure Alabama will be doing the same thing. I'm sure mm-hmm. um, Bo Nix will be doing the exact same thing. Yeah, absolutely, Bo Nix. I feel like he's been in Auburn for nine years. So I mean, that's just the deal. I mean, this this whole idea of a running quarterback is not going to be limited to the first two games of the season. We're going to see this constantly. Well, it's just more of a it's more of a common trend in uh, you know in football and has been probably for a decade now is just the more athletic quarterback a, a true pocket passer just you almost can't get away with it anymore. No. And and you even look at Calzada who is really a pocket passer, but he can run and he you know he can get up field. Still has wheels. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's got wheels. You know the the days of uh, well, and they've it's been a long time since they really dominated, but the days of being a Tom Brady where, you know, you can't outrun your own shadow, um, yep. uh, th- those are kind of gone because nobody just has the, the, the kind of – you're not even groomed that way in this sport anymore. You know, you're no. groomed to be able to run. And, it's about and, speed and, and, well, it's, it's, and durability. you got to be able to throw, but you got to be able to move in a pocket. you got to be able to shift. Um, there's, just, there's so much that goes into the quarterback position. And so having the option just to pull the ball down and run makes it easier to be a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, that's all there is to it. It doesn't matter what offense you're on or who you're playing. It doesn't matter how good your offensive line is. Right. Yeah, sometimes you got to pull, de- pull the ball down and run. And, you know, sometimes you're on a, a bootleg or you're, you're rolling out wide and everybody's covered, but that means nobody's in front of you. Right. You have to be able to pick up eight yards when it's that wide open. Right, and then on the same token, you've got wide, uh, your running backs that turn wide receiver. You know, you've got just – there's so much fluidity of way, the way the game has changed now where you just have to adjust on the fly uh, quick little bits. And you got to feel that we're going to continue to adjust and make that work for us. It's going to be solid. Well, offensives have become so dynamic in football that, you know, the days of – although, you know, we just won a game 10-7. to 7, But the, sure. the, the days of, you know, as a defense giving up an average of 10 points for the entire year are gone. You know, it's just yeah. – a good defense these days, if you can average giving up 20, 21 points a game, like it's not awful anymore. No, it's really you know, not. If you can keep it down to 17 points, you're probably a championship caliber team. Yeah. And, of course, if you're doing like what we're doing, you know, giving up 17 points over the first two games, and you can maintain that. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Like I said, we haven't even hit conference play yet, but – you know, there's good opportunities there. I, well, and the best opportunity we have right now is with New Mexico this week. Because right. given the fact that Colorado needs to play all four quarters, and I don't care what the score is. I agree. It's, it's kind of one of those things where – It's about reps. It's it's about reps because he hasn't had, you know, the first team reps in practice since Haynes King was announced, which was, what, a week or two before the first game yeah. when Haynes King was announced. So, it's you know, that's three weeks of not getting really any first team reps. So, uh, I thought Calzada grew up about – you know, 20, 30, you know, levels of progression in that game. And, uh, and he had to. But, you know, that's also what you expect when you have Jimbo as a, quarter, or as a coach is, is quarterback development. Right. And he's hard on his quarterbacks, but, but he's good with quarterbacks. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you saw a little bit of it with, with him, with Calzada throughout the game. You know, you see it on the sidelines. But then you also, uh, you also know that now Calzada's going to have a week of first-team reps, you know, with Jimbo's full attention – and then I'll have a game, four quarters, and then I'll have another week of first-team reps before we get to conference play. Which so will I, be critical. I know there's a lot of woe-is-me kind of stuff, and I, and I get that because Haynes King is so dynamic given his speed. But uh, Calzada is uh, – he's got a cannon, and 
we did see him run a little bit, you know, once he got comfortable. That's, mm-hmm. you know, you have two types of, of brand-new quarterbacks, the ones that will pull the ball down and run before they even get through their progressions or the ones that will never pull the down, pull, pull the ball <laughs> down and run. Yeah, it's, it's, they either run too early or they get sacked. And I thought you saw Calzada throughout the game get more comfortable, comfortable with pulling the ball down after he'd gone through his progressions. Right. And so I think, um, well, I know that two weeks of practice and four quarters of, of a game, uh, especially being back in Kyle Field, uh, you know, don't give up hope if you're one of those ags that's like, well, geez, I, you know, hope we can, you know, well, I, I think everything is still on the table for this team, especially given the dominance of the defense. Right. And I mean, all you got to do is, I know people love to look at the numbers and they love to look at, you know, oh, well, the rankings have us here and here. And we all know that the rankings don't mean Jack Diddley squat this early in the season. I mean, somebody pointed this out. I think it was like there were a grand total of 13 upsets of top 25 teams over the first two weeks, which is the most ever, which is lining us up very similarly to what happened in 2007. If if that were to happen, it could be a very interesting year. So we just got to play it by ear. We got to run through our weeks and do what we're supposed to do, win the football games. The rest of it will shake out. Well, it also shows you that it's a complete crapshoot for preseason rankings. If there Always. was ever a case for not having them, this would have been the year because you were coming off a, a year of college football where not every team even played the same amount of games. Yeah. Uh, you know, we gosh, we ended up not. We played ten games, including the Orange Bowl. You've got teams that played four games before they got to the, to the postseason. So you literally played twice as many games. So I mean, what did you know? I, what did you think Ohio State was good? Clearly, you did because you shoved them in the playoffs, even though they suck apparently well, because they got in and got embarrassed. So it's you know, if there was ever a case to not have pre, I like preseason rankings because it's fun to talk and and normally sure. they're at least based on some sort of logic. But there was nothing you could base them on. No, and you look at what the preseason ranks were this year versus last year, and so much of it is just your A, typical, well, you know, these teams were the top ten at the end of the year last year, so here they are again. You know, we're going to put them up there, maybe shake up the order a little bit based on who we think is going to be the big dog. You know, hey, Oklahoma finished, you know, like, I don't know, sixth or fifth or whatever they were, but we're going to throw them up at number two because we think Spencer is going to be a kick-ass quarterback. We're going to sit here and – say Clemson's going to be a top-level team, even though they're going to play nobody for the rest of the season. You had one ranked game on your schedule, and you lost it so far. Well, so it's just, what's even the point of these rankings? Well, I don't mind putting OU up there, because the reality is, I mean, all they have to do is win the Big 12. Well, yeah. And that's all they do. So just by default, they're going to run roughshod through the Big 12. So well, they're sure. obviously going to be highly ranked, so you may as well start them there. Well, and the same thing with Clemson. But it's just it goes back to I don't think we really need to see a rank come out until maybe the sixth week of the season because you don't know what these football teams look like. For the I don't think it takes six weeks to get a ranking. I think after three or four weeks you know who's who because at that point you played at least one you know P5 kind of team. Sure. Um, and then you played maybe two uh, G5 teams that you should have dealt with and whether or not you did kind of can base that. So, I mean, yeah, you know, a couple weeks. But I don't mind preseason rankings. But, I, like, I, I don't argue against it. But this year I can see the argument because you had nothing to base it on. Right. Other than, like, and I get that it's all kind of conjecture, but it's educated guess. But sure. it wasn't very educated this year. Well, I mean, I mean, just look at what's going on with Ohio, with excuse me with Iowa State, right? You know, their two games. I mean, yeah, they're still ranked right now. Their two games that they were shown, like, hey, let's see what they can do. 
U and I was way closer than it needed to be, and they lost pretty convincingly to Iowa. And you know, Iowa has flown up the ranks over the first two weeks because they have a good resume. Same deal with Oregon. You know, you won two good games early, and that's boosted your um, boosted your place. Now we've fallen a little bit, especially in the uh, in the AP poll, and that's okay. I know, I would say we're probably not a top five team right this second. I think that we've got the potential to be, especially if Zach develops quickly. I'd have dropped us to ten because we're going to play a lot of football with a backup quarterback. Yeah. So I and again like if not all football. The thing about rankings is, and especially when you're you know a P five school, and especially when you're in the SEC, if you win. You don't have to worry about the rankings because the rankings will take care of themselves. Always. Al Davis, just win, baby, right? Just win, baby. So, if at this point, and, and they didn't like, it's not like they dropped us, you know, out of the top 15 or anything. No, because um, that would have been a little harsh. Yeah, so, because um, what keeps you high in the rankings is the defense like that. Well, you win. Yeah. And win it, those games. Yeah, when all you have to do is score 10 points and win a game, you, you like your chances. Yeah. So, uh, it. It'll be interesting going forward. I thought the defense was fantastic given the fact that they were on the field for probably 10 more minutes than they're used to. Yeah. You know, the time of possession battle was something I harped on last week, and uh, and we didn't win it. Um, you know, you're putting the defense out there, you know, repet- you know, you got three and out, three, four, five downs and punts, something like that. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, our punter sure made up for not having any punts in the first week. Yeah, he looks um, good. He yeah, looks oh, he looks good. great. He was just bombing the ball. Um, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. But he just um, – well, and he's not Aussie style either, so I appreciate no. that he's kind of a pure punter because he really knocks the just pisses. Like Pat McAfee, the piss missile. No, he does a great um, job. Yeah, there were, there were a couple of punts where he literally – you know, you're talking about changing the field, and that's important. Yeah. To kind of, kind of to have that tool. But – I, I think in all, Calzada is uh, right. Calzada is going to be just fine, and and when you started to see a little bit more uh, kind of comfort was when you had some swing passes. Um, you know, you saw he made some bad throws, and, and that's okay because mm-hmm. he kind of got you know he got thrown in the deep end. And again, some of them weren't bad throws though. Some of those throws had to be caught, and they weren't. Right. And so some of that is uh, is timing. You know, some of the bad throws, it was timing for him. You know, and like we talked about Haynes King in the first week, mm-hmm. a new quarterback, um, you, you just gotta, sometimes you got to pull the trigger a little bit faster. And he'll get to that because, again, that's game reps. It's not just practice reps, it's game reps. But right. but the practice reps is where you get that kind of harmony and right. uh, you know, with your receivers and timing and all that down. And uh, and on top of that, there's just, these receivers get used to just substantially more velocity on the ball. Calzada doesn't – I tell you what, the, he's the, got the, some zip. The fact <laughs> the fact that he dropped that ball into Spiller for the touchdown, um, and and the ball he threw down the sideline to Chapman that he didn't haul in. Um, Chef kiss on those. I mean, passes. they're they're like, oh. yeah, they're kind of like these nice fade type route throws, but he's still throwing it on a bit of a line. Yeah. So he's got you know he he sees things differently because of how he delivers the ball, and a lot of that's just going to have to come with reps. Which again, got a week of them. You've got you know, a whole week of, of time with Jimbo just in your ear, which yeah. can only result in positive things if you're a quarterback. Yep. So, so all four, all four power to the engines for uh, the for the Cuban missile. Let's see how he does. Well, you just hey, these receivers got to be ready for it. You know, he yeah. was hey, some of the balls he threw, and even Joel Clack, because I watched the uh, I didn't get to watch the game, but I watched the no huddle version. I'm sorry, I had to listen to Joel. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, <laughs> But even he was talking about, you know, that 
the windows that he was throwing into, there's just not a lot of college quarterbacks that even think about throwing that, much less are able to, to put him in those windows. And he was I, I, he was catching defenders off guard because of how much velocity he had on the ball. So yeah. I, I think that'll be interesting to watch going forward. I, I was always a big fan of Calzadas I, when I saw like his high school yeah. uh, close when he was getting recruited. Just hit, uh, He's just an absolute howitzer hanging off his shoulder. So um, I'm excited for him. You know, it, it's a big opportunity, and I think uh, going forward, he, he's got a chance to really take this team by the reins. Uh, I think he's going to be just fine. Well, he doesn't have a choice. Yeah, but I tell you what, but we, we know that there, there there are worse situations to be thrown in than to have Spiller, A Chain, Anias, Weidermeyer, Chapman, Chase Lane. Apparently, he loves Chase Lane. That's good. He threw at him seven times before they caught before they come before they actually linked up. And a couple of throws he threw to Chase Lane were really, really forced. So um, he's but, like, "You will catch this ball yeah, at some I, point." I, he, yeah, he was he was pushing the ball to Chase Lane, which I mean, I'm fine with. I don't care who he throws it to, but um, but yeah, I, it was nice to see him finally make that connection and completion. Um, I, I think that kind of helped loosen him up too. So I agree. You know, Weidermeyer is, is going to have to be his best friend, along with you know Spiller, A Chain, and, and Anias, uh, you know, in the swing routes out in the flats. Yeah. But that's. That's kind of football one-on-one when it comes to a new quarterback. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, safe to say, you know, obviously the game was tighter than we wanted it to be, but we're always glad to take the win. I will always happily win ugly than lose pretty or lose ugly. What a roller coaster, though. Yeah. You think about it. And, and even if you take Ohio State and Oregon out, um, you're – you're pretty much full of shit if you tell me you didn't pay any attention to the Texas-Arkansas game. Oh, right? yeah, of course we did. Uh, in fact, really, was there any other game on uh, on Saturday night that was worth a crap? No. I don't even know if there was. I don't think so, there was. Hey, there were games, but I don't know if any of them were worth watching. So, you know, you go in to the Colorado game and you're excited, right? Cause, right. Because you're like, ah, oh, you know, even though last time we went to Colorado, things went poorly. You know, we're not playing in, in Boulder. We're actually going to play in Denver. Oh, um, should be a lot of Ags there. I'm going to say shout out to the Aggies that showed up. They, they were loud. They, they announced 15,000. It looked like a lot yeah, more. Yeah, way than more. And, and Joel Klatt was even talking about, you know, at some point late in the game, he said, you know, are we in Colorado or are we in College Station? Yeah, because they were they were just that loud. And uh, and I know that, you know, that's so important to the uh, to the defense, especially. Um Gosh, they just stepped up. It, it's it's. There's nothing Aggies love more than good defense. I'll put it that way. No, and they absolutely did a fantastic job. Yeah, you know they gave up uh, you know 260 yards. Yeah. Um, you know total, which first of all is outstanding. That's good defense um, on their part too. Yeah, yeah, and even though they gave up 170, you know 171 rushing. Yeah. Again, that moving between the 25s, nobody cares about because right. you can give up. You know, if you're giving up 260 yards and seven points, right. I mean, if you're losing games like that, then you like you're firing your offensive coordinator. Yeah. So, uh, I thought the defense continued to. Show, I, they're in there. Uh, they're getting better. You yeah. Know, and, and there's and it's not just getting better from week one to week two. They're getting better during the game. Mm. And these are the you know at Kent State. I, I think we saw adjustments really at the half, which I think was frustrating. Right. Um, I think you saw a lot more adjustments throughout the game. Uh, you know once. Once Colorado, you know, they were moving the ball, but once they actually punched the ball in, you know, at that point, you know, it was the whole bend don't break. But well, when they score, you've broken, right? Yeah. So you know, there there were changes, and I think you know, that, I think that got the defense's attention. They too. locked up, yeah. And to see them swarm to the ball and, and play just good old fashioned Aggie defense is a it's it's fun to watch, and you know that you're always going to be in it if you've got a defense that plays like that. I will say uh, exactly what we said yesterday. No matter what he asks for. 
throw every dollar that we can at Elko to keep him around for as long as he wants to be here. Yeah, you know, I, I would love for him to be like a Venables to to uh, to, Dabo. to Dabo kind yep. of situation. I could live with it. Um, what's the guy up at Virginia Tech that was with Beamer forever? I know he's talking. Yeah. yeah, you know, I, I'd love you know for that kind of situation. Just if he if he wants to stay here and he's you know he. He's happy being a defensive coordinator as opposed to making the leap to head coach. Then you lit like you literally just back up the Brinks truck. Yep. I mean, if he wants to stick around to College Station and make it work, obviously we're more than happy to keep him around. Because uh, I mean, I won't. Like I said, a lot of people don't like using the term "wrecking crew" anymore. No, it's very much a wrecking crew style game. Yeah, and if they want to come up, if the defense wants to come up with a new name, I don't care. Like, I don't care what you call yourself, but. It's just phenomenal defense, and everybody loves good defense, but i tell you what, we really appreciate it here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I, I'm i excited for, for what's coming up um, yeah. because I think New Mexico just gives Calzada that much more kind of juice to, to get settled in. I think he's a mm-hmm. – I think he's – I think he's a really good quarterback. I yeah. do. He's just he's different style. You know, he's a he's a pocket passer who can scramble a little. Yeah. Um, I mean, and Haynes King is, uh, I guess you call him a dual threat, even though we don't run a ton of like option or RPO stuff sure. with him. But you know, Haynes King obviously he gets out, and I I don't I didn't even know, but certainly the defenders, at least at Kent State, I don't think they had any idea how fast he was. No. Um. So, it's. I, I, I'm still incredibly optimistic about this season. Yeah. I had a lot of questions going into the Colorado game that I was hoping were to be answered, and I just left with even more questions, which, you know, that, that, that tends to happen. But I think we will see a lot of answers to those questions this week, uh, strictly from the thought process of now we have a week to prepare the quarterback for this situation. He can get into the game plan. And I think it's not going to be a close game. I think A&M's just going to rock and roll and do what they're supposed to do. Even at 29 and a half, I mean, I'd still probably take A&M to cover, right? Yeah. Well, I, what's, well no, you, I mean, you went into the game with a list of questions, right? And then as soon as Haynes King gets hurt, you just literally crumple up that piece of paper and throw it, it away. <laughs> so you probably have the same amount of questions. You're just asking different ones. Oh, yeah. So um, I think the penalties need to get cleaned up on offense. Yep. Uh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't – we had 65 yards in penalties, uh, but I only remember – one defensive penalty. There might have been two, but I remember all the majority being on fans. the offense. Yeah, uh, yeah that just <laughs> when you don't even argue because all three flags come out pass interference. Like, fair yeah, enough. One. Yeah, um, but he didn't catch it, so there's that. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, that was a good thing. But yeah, the offensive stuff. It's it's still sloppy stuff, and I know that the line needs to continue to gel as well. But you're talking about false starts and uh, you know easy stuff holding uh, that, that you've got to be able to avoid. Yep. So. Um, so just you know, a chance for them to kind of settle in and you know get one more good game in before uh, you know you make the the jog up to Arlington and take on a what's going to be a pretty salty Arkansas team. So we'll see how it goes. Well, and you want to obviously offensively, there's a, there's a lot that needs to improve. Um, sure, but I'm not going to sit here and you know start picking apart the offense because it was no Cal, Calzado's first game and yeah. whatever. But I, I think there were a couple of stats that. Um, that really jumped out to me for the defense. One was the 260 yards and, you know, seven points. That's that's fantastic. And yeah. Colorado's better than Kent State. Uh, if, if, I had to, if I had to guess, they are. Um, Slight chance, and, and, right? And you held them to, you know, to less points, and you did it at neutral side as opposed to doing it in Kyle Field. Um, but what you did is you held them under 30% on on, uh, on third down efficiency. So Which is excellent. As a defense, you, the, uh, you allowed Colorado to go four for 14. And – 
I tell you, you want to talk about a galvanizing point in the game is when they stuffed Colorado uh, inside the ten on fourth down. Yeah, uh, that was that was some old school. Just that that's the kind of defense where you can put the guys in the right position, but man, it is all about who wants it more. That's all it comes down to. Because it, it, as a team, you can either gain a yard or you can't, and and they couldn't. And, and so I thought that was really a turning point, um, not just for for the team. But I think for the defense as well, because uh, I feel like even they probably felt they were getting a little leaky, you know, yep. letting them move, moving up and down the field. You know, between the 25s is one thing. Letting them inside the 10 is another because they're at least going to get three out of that normally. Right. So, <laughs> I thought I thought the defense – I think that could really be a launching pad for this defense to get even better than they are, and I think they're one of the best defenses in the country. Yeah, I think top three defense for sure. And looking at, honestly – yeah, we talk about team chemistry. We mentioned this yesterday, but seeing the way Zach kind of grew up and decided we're going to go back down that other way and score, you know, falling off what the defense said, the way the defense locked down, I think you saw a lot of camaraderie, a lot of team together, you know, not just this unit of offensive versus defense um, that you see with so many teams. They came together and made this game happen they won that game together well you had like we said you give a 260 yards and seven points you expect to win the game so if you don't win that game the defense and the offense become this split and, and it's a it's a, can be a split dynamic where if nothing else there's a lot of fingers pointing yeah like, we did our job we did everything problem? we could yep. how can you not at least score you know you know seven or more points and so you know, for Calzada to not only, you know, lead the team on a, on a scoring drive late in the game, yeah. uh, you know, to, to take the lead, but to do it after he took the, the team all the way down the field, fumble the ball, and, you know, and I get it. Like, if you have the ball and you fumble it, it's on you. So, look, I get that, there, that you know, he's at fault, but that was effort and just kind of lucky tackling, a, a kind of combination of all of it. Yeah, it was um, unfortunate. It was unfortunate, but I think where you have to be thrilled just – absolutely thrilled was the fact that he came back down on the field and did it again. Yeah. And that's like, it was nothing. Right. And see, that's a good sign going forward. That's good mental fortitude. That's going to be excellent, especially once we jump into conference play, because that's probably going to happen. Hey, it's like Ted Lasso. Be a goldfish, right? Yeah, Be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. Yep. Got the shortest memory span ever. Ten, uh, ten seconds. Ten seconds of, of anybody, anything in the animal kingdom. Yep. So be a goldfish. And that's what he did. You know, he, you know, that, that was such an opportunity for a young quarterback uh, in his first start after finally breaking through, going 78, 77 yards, something like that, 76 yards down the field, and to fumble at the goal line. Like, there, there could be – there are very few things that are more tragic than that, right? Oh, it's brutal. Um, and, uh, but to just brush it off, you know, dust himself off, get right back in the mindset and, and for the defense to say, you know what, we're going to get you the ball back. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. They went out, they stopped him, they got him the ball back and he takes the, they, takes the team down the field. And, and I, this goes back to what we talked about a little bit uh, before week one and, uh, and probably a little bit after week one was uh, there was no, there was a quarterback competition, but there was no division in the locker room. No, you know, there's no team Calzada and team King. This is just, this is the Aggie team. And so, with Calzada stepping in, you're not going to see any sort of – look, even at the pro level, you'll see it. But I don't think we're going to see much of a stylistic change. Well, you're not, well, not going to see a stylistic change, but you're not going to see people slacking off or – No. You know, like, you know, just that – you could see the attitude of, man, I wish, you know, Haynes was out here. Next they, man up. It's next man up. They're, they're out – there are very specifically defined goals within the Aggie football program. 
And whether it's Hank King, Haynes King or Zach Calzada, that isn't going to matter. Right. And so with that kind of galvanizing effort where you went to the state of Colorado and you just gritted out a win. Yep. I mean, there, there's just no other way to look at it. I, and I know that you know, we, we had a, a field goal kick miss. But it was, you know, from 53 yards, you know. So, yeah, whatever. So, hey, good effort right on. I'm glad he didn't kick it so short that they were able to return it. Yeah, but we definitely um, didn't want that. But it's just one of those things. And and I brought this up, and this was kind of the theme of it yesterday. Um, so I'm going to bring it back up again because it reminds me of uh, – I, I don't know why either. So I was, I was watching the no huddle. And I was thinking about kind of my emotions on Saturday as I was getting a couple texts before the wedding. And then right. I'm standing there in the wedding party. And as a groomsman, your job is basically just not to pass out, right? Mm. And so, so and I'm, I'm enjoying the wedding and, 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 and my, my beautiful friends and it's a beautiful wedding. Um, but, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about Aggie football. <laughs> so, so, I mean, why wouldn't I be? But uh, it, it reminded me of that because, you know, coming off of Kent State and coming off the expectations that were kind of established based off winning the Orange Bowl, going 9-1 right. and one last year, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and whoever Jimbo Fisher picked, we were going to be behind, right? Because he's the quarterback whisperer kind of guy. Yeah, whoever he picks is, is going to be the guy, and we're fine with that. Yeah. Um, but it reminded me of the Christmas story, and I'm going to bring this quote back up because I said it yesterday, but you guys will never hear that I said it yesterday. Um, but but it reminded me of uh, the Christmas story where the Bumpus's dogs come in and destroy the turkey, right? Right. And the narrator goes, and the narrator says, "Life is like that. Sometimes at the height of our revelries, when our joy is at its zenith, when all is most right with the world, the most unthinkable disasters descend upon us." Right. And I thought about that when Haynes King went out because I think we all looked at this as this great growing opportunity to take momentum into New Mexico, then to take momentum into conference play for Haynes King. And right when we think coming off a, a convincing win that had a really strong second half against Kent State, you know, great opportunity in Colorado, and two series in, Haynes King ends up on crutches. Right. So right when we're when we're, we're right there and everything just feels tangible, you know, right. all these goals, uh, you know, something like that happens, and it's just you know, and the Bumpus's dog sons of bitches come in and take your turkey. Right. And, but I think... And then you're grinching it for the rest of the movie until he has a change of heart there at the end. Like I said, we were going to do that. We were going to bring Grinch back into this. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> well yeah. It's, 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 so this whole game is miserable, right? So I get these texts and, and like, woe is me and just love to be miserable, like, sure. right? You know, they, they love to be miserable and, and just very... Uh, well, it's over, you know, the game's over, season's over, pack it up, burn, burn the program down. You know, think about bringing in men's soccer, right? Yeah, right. Um, Jesus. And, but it, it's like the Christmas story, it, it's kind of in reverse though, because you right. saw, you know, this, you're, you're heartbroken for Haynes King and you're heartbroken for all these plans and, and hopes that you have for the season. And Calzada comes in and after a couple of series, it's made worse, right? And so all you can think about is, woe is me, this is miserable, I, crap, crap, crap. And then Calzada kind of, shows signs of life you know and right. and it's you know the Grinch's heart you know grows three times right mm -hmm. uh, you see these signs of life and you see a pulse and then you see Haynes King take it down the field and even though he fumbles you're like okay holy crap he can move the team and yeah. then you see, you see the defense step up when they had to step up and so it's like the Christmas story but after the Bumpuses it's like he found the BB gun at the end of the movie after they had, you know, dinner at the Chinese restaurant. You know, right. you know, fa ra 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 go home, get the BB gun. Because in the depths of despair, Zach Calzada pulled mm -hmm. us out of it. 
No, and, no. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't pretty, and there's nothing glorious or, or, or beautiful. There's no window dressing for mm-hmm. a 10-7 win, but you know what a 10-7 win is? It's not a loss. Exactly. And so, you know, you come out just right at the end of the game, we snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. And that's all that matters. And then you get to watch yeah. Arkansas stomp a mud hole in the Sips. And that's, you know, that is a Christmas miracle in the middle of It September. is. Speaking of hearts growing three times, looking at the Arkansas score, I felt like the Grinch. My eyes turned blue and my heart got big and yeah. all was right in the world. Yeah, I could go to sleep clutching my Red Rider BB gun. At, you, know. you were happy. We're all happy. Can't well, complain I, about I, that. I feel like there's probably a few people that weren't happy. but They can chill out. No, I don't really care if they were. Nobody out. cares. Enjoy life. What it's a, a game. Oh, what people. a stomp job, man. No, I'm talking about SIP fans. I don't I'm sure they weren't uh seriously, I still haven't caught up on the meltdown thread. It's it's become like this task for me to try and catch up and every time I click to the next page there's like three more added and they just Oh, it couldn't happen to a nicer group. Well, like I said, that's what happens when you come in with unrealistic expectations at the start of the year and everything comes crashing down in you in the second week, which has become kind of tradition for the University of Texas. And, you know, this boils down to one of my favorite things that Joel Klatt has ever tweeted, as I quoted it, and I want to bring it up one more time, which is Texas is the number one job in college football, and I completely agree. Because I get paid sixty to seventy thousand dollars to struggle for three or four years, get bought out, take that money, go put it in investment, and just ride out the rest of my life. That sounds awesome. Where the hell do I sign up? I will happily take that job. It's such a crazy cycle. It I, is. I, and it keeps happening. Come it's, on. It's every year. Oh, it's, it's so bad. And Charlie Strong gone. Herman gone. Herman gone. Sark in seven, four years, gone. Seven win Sark, man. Yeah. I mean, what do you think you were going to get? And, and, and look, all the tweets that have come out, like, man, this is a lot harder when you don't have Jalen Waddle. And or what was the tweet I saw? Uh, <laughs> something about so yeah, something about Sarkeesian finding out that you know without Nick Saban, he's actually just Steve Sarkeesian. Who would have guessed? Well, it's like it's almost like you went from having the best talent in the world for college football. And then you're going to Texas, which is going to be a rebuild of a project. Do I think Sark could do well, given time? Not in Texas. Well, I mean, given time, yes, but he will never get that time. You know why? Because you have about nine or ten Jerry Jones sitting in this little office out here just criticizing every little thing that you do. They have all the money to make a difference, and and every three to four years is the only time they make a difference. Right. And And that's just to literally... Start the cycle back at square one. Right. You know, they don't sit there and let it actually happen. So, here we are. And here we are. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm fine with it. I can live <laughs> with it. I mean, everybody and their dog recognizes that Texas is not the flagship football program of the state of Texas right now. And you know what? There's a lot of people that wear burnt orange that don't recognize that. I know. They're on Twitter. Fascinating. And, and we love them. You know, they know what's going on. So, I... So kind of wrapping up here, we did want to jump into a few key matchups for this next week and just kind of analyze those real quick. You know, not in-depth stuff, but just kind of how we think the games are going to go. Well, what's weird is uh, week three in the college football season always sucks. Yeah. Have you ever notice that? Like it, the first two weeks you get sucks. some big, big-time matchups. You know, you get the, the Notre Dame-Florida State matchup, which we all – look, that was one of the best games I've seen in a long it was time. such a good game. Turns out they both suck. They're both awful. How do you <laughs> lose to Jacksonville State and not play Prevent? 
Uh, well, you, Sweet Jesus. You arm tackle, and if you're number 10, you give up on the play. Oh, so. God. And, of but, course, that's, once again, that's Jimbo's fault. Um, you know, it doesn't bug me, though. <laughs> like, seeing free shoes you like that, whatever, man. And seeing whatever. Notre Dame, so they had to pull out a last-minute victory against Toledo. Toledo, man. Go Mudhens. Oh, wait, I'm, the, no, the Rockets. The Rockets, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, not the Mudhens. I've watched too much MASH. My <laughs> yes, bad. But I think the only games really of interest, there's two top 25 matchups that I think are worth the crap. And sure. I, uh, well, Bama f- at Florida, I don't think it's going to be worth the crap. But you never know. The Swamp will be rocking. You never, you never know. That's kind of how I'm looking at that game. And it's 14. And, uh, the I'd be amazed. I mean, the line dropped a little bit. It's 14 and a half to Alabama. I still think I still Bama think covers. They, I still think they cover, but I don't know that they beat Florida by like 45 or anything like that. No, I mean, you know, it'll be an interesting but game. They, they for, could. That's a, it's going to be an interesting game till the coin flip, right? Yeah, yeah. The last competitive thing in the swamp uh, on Saturday night might be the coin flip. Yeah. Uh, the other one, the other big one is Auburn Penn State. Yeah. Um, I, that could be a really good game. I think Penn State's going to win. Honestly, uh, Auburn's. Yeah. I mean, Auburn's put up about 120 points in two weeks, but they have played absolutely nobody. nobody. I mean, come on, Alabama State. Yeah. Get again, out of here with that. Directionals. You know, they're playing like vocational schools. Yeah. No, yeah, but I'd say who would who even cares? I think. But outside of that, the only ones I'm looking at. I want to see Ole Miss Tulane because I'm curious if Tulane is good or if their performance against OU was emotional because of the hurricane. Because yeah. last week, week Tulane kind of played a nobody. Um, I'm curious, uh, Kent State at Iowa, just because I want to see how Kent State does. It's one of those things where if you I beat think... them, you want to kind of follow them throughout the rest of the year. Well, and the I what, think what's Kent... the line? Do you know the line on that game? Twenty-three to Iowa. So I think <sighs> I look at that line. I think that line's a little uh, a little healthy to Iowa than it needs to be. I think Kent State might keep it a little bit closer than that. I think that line's too big just because I think Iowa doesn't play the kind of high-scoring football that Kent State does. Kent State does. So yeah. I, th- I think I think <sighs> I think we'll I think we'll see what's going to happen with Iowa. What I'm curious about is going to be defensively how do they attack the game, right? I think if they can really lock down Kent State, then we'll know one that Iowa's got a legitimate defense and they'll be good to go. But Kent State going on the road and they're in upset mind. You this, know, in upset this is apples right to apples. So yeah. how Kent State performs against Iowa, I think will show us a lot as far as us relative to Iowa. And I sure. know that the transitive property doesn't always work. Sure. But this is almost an exact carbon copy of them coming to Kyle Field. No, I agree. All I right. think it's going to be a very interesting game. I think, you know, I think Iowa still wins. It might be week three, but both of those teams are in week three. And right. we and Kent State were in week one. So, again, I right. think there's still there's a lot to glean from how Kent State plays Iowa. And then the last one is just Michigan State-Miami. And that's only because I think Michigan State's going to beat the shit out of Miami. Well, at Miami, I, I can At Miami. That. I think I think the fans will be leaving after the first series of the third quarter. I think Miami's trash. We've talked about that before. Yeah. Miami, Texas, USC, Notre Dame. These <clears throat> blue the, the, bloods, the, the, right? The media darlings that they so desperately want to be good. And the, I'll tell you what, I'm going to end on this. The statement that I cannot absolutely effing stand hearing is football is better when blank is good. Oh, Bull no, it's not. shit. <laughs> Nobody cares about you. And so the only people that say that are you. Like, I would never in a million years say, you know what? College football is better when A&M's good. Because that's it's it's conceited, it's garbage, and it's bullshit. I mean, nobody cares. College football is good for Aggies when A and M is good. Yes, right. Sure. And college football is good for Longhorns when Texas is good. It boils down to, and I and I do hate that phrase too, because it just reinforces the mindset 
of that. Yes, ESPN, Fox, all these national they've pundits. They've got to pimp their programs. They got to pimp their programs. Exactly. You know, you look at Clemson, right? Clemson will stay a top five team throughout the rest of the year if they went out even with that first loss because they're going to be like, well, they lost to number three, and they're going to be really good. You, and could, see, yada, yada, yada. you could see them stumbling, though. You could and, see them stumbling. And, and even, uh, even in a win. So I think Clemson is – they are walking a razor-thin line. But, again, like it goes back to – it. College football is good, period. It yeah. doesn't matter who's good. College right. football, like Alabama has dominated. Well, let's look at, and let's just go back a few decades here to Miami, right? Remember, Miami it's was not always, you know, you know, go back, let's go back to the 80s. Miami was not a media darling in the 80s. I mean, frankly, people looked at Miami and Notre Dame as like traditionalist versus this new agey. Like jungly it a, well, madness. It was, it was a convicts versus the crooks. crooks I mean, exactly. Miami was the University of Miami was looked like a borderline penitentiary. But nowadays, people look at Miami like, yeah, they were one of those perennial programs that they're better. Like college football's better when they're good, and that's it's not. Not. It's just not. No, yeah, because if everything if, goes in cycles, man. Yeah, if we talked about you know programs that have been great in the past, so it makes college football better when they're good. You know what? Fine, I'll say college football is better when Army's good. No, it's not. Nobody gives a shit. All right. I mean, as, I mean, as much my as my days I, are my days are better when Army's good. I mean, I you know as much as I love the triple option, right? I mean, it's just... bro. They <laughs> bro. They had more. So I saw I, I saw a meme and it had. Uh, Oh gosh, I think it was Texas. Yeah, starting quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, passing yards. Yeah, Army seventy-seven, Texas sixty-seven. That's incredible. Yeah, Army has we're throwing the ball, so Nobody I'm a little guess. concerned because I'm really not sure what's happening at this point. Right. Like when we snap the ball yeah. and we might actually throw. There's there's right. there's a thought that it might not be a run. See, and the I thing think is, Michigan State's gonna well, beat the shit out of Miami. Yeah, I agree, and I think you're gonna get a lot of. With those games, and like really with the modern day of college football, I think it's important for some of these non blue bloods to get in the mix and shake it up a little bit because it's cool for certain areas to get behind their teams and really ride that wave. I think it's good for the sport. Why, you know, look at Central Florida, right? Who would have ever guessed that, that program would be worth a damn? And look at them now. They're about to be a Look at Nebraska. Fight. Who ever thought 20 years ago that Nebraska would be where they are? Yeah. I mean, nobody. Nebraska's a nobody anymore. I mean, Tennessee's a nobody anymore. It's and those, insane. And those two programs were dominant but, in the 90s. But college football isn't worse because Tennessee isn't competitive. It's not. There's no. not a team that makes college football a better product. Because if, if you think that, then – then well, first of all, you're full of shit because look at it. Alabama has won what seven national titles yeah. under seven, six or seven, and and under it's not over forty years, and so a, one team being dominant every year, and you know what? It still hasn't ruined the sport. We keep seeing OU, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson in the playoffs, and you know what? People still tune in and watch. And guess what? Alabama can still lose in that playoff game. You know, it happens. Alabama doesn't win the national title every year. Jacksonville State can still beat Florida State, so that's why we watch it. The App, product is phenomenal. Right. App, App State can beat Michigan. You know, App State almost won uh, last week. I don't yeah, they, they did. Play, but, and, was, but you know, um, who is it? Um, like um, team that was like, James Madison can beat Virginia Tech. You know, these games can happen, and that's why we love them. Speaking of, there was one game. It's not like a major upset, but I think one sneaky good game that I was looking at was Virginia Tech at West Virginia. I think that game will be really interesting because I think if Virginia Tech goes down at that, I don't think you have really any major undefeateds left in the ACC. Well, and you'll be really curious um, 
if West Virginia wins, I mean, how good is West Virginia? Are they all of a sudden maybe decent enough to kind of hang around and make a difference in the Big 12? I'd say the deal is because the Big 12 trash. Yeah. You don't have to be that good. Yeah, West Virginia is one one right now, and the next week, you know, they go to Oklahoma, and OU is going to be kind of well, and that's the other game, right? You want to talk about what was such would have been a game twenty years ago? Hell, even ten years ago, Oklahoma and Nebraska. No, oh, nobody cares. And now that game is at eleven o'clock on Fox. That was and one of the, the viewership's gonna be worse than our game. One of the most massive rivalries in the history of college football is OU Nebraska. And it's nothing anymore. And nobody cares. Right. Yeah, you know, I would but you know what? for that game to happen. Watch Nebraska win. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> for no reason. Hey, it's if if it's two thousand seven two point I'm all in. For me, the only time you can complete the college football is better win. College football is better when there is chaos. Yes. And you know what? Every year we get chaos, and that's what makes college football so great. Right, and that's why we're so excited about it, guys. It's so fun. So, All right. Well, we clearly – I mean, even Rowdy's passed out. We (laughs) we bored everyone, even my dog, who's basically ADHD. Yeah. So, quick question. So, what do you got going on right now? What's new? Uh, Well, I mean, I got back from New Hampshire, so I'm behind on everything. So, that's new. (laughs) Fair uh, enough. I just, uh, today, in fact, earlier today, I decided I'm going to change up my European trip a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm flying into Paris, going over to Munich to see a buddy, going to London to go to a, a West Ham match. Ooh, and then uh, I was I was going to swing, yeah, it's Everton away, but I'm going to go with the West Ham fan TV guys. Oh, please and, do it. Uh, oh, yeah, no, I absolutely am. Yeah, and, yeah. and Everton's not that far either, so it's like a two-hour bus ride, nothing big. And, and give them hell. Oh, yeah, well, you know I'm going to do that. Yeah, please do. Well, what I was going to do is because I... You know, that, you know, the match is Saturday. I'll spend Sunday just farting around, you know, London. But I, Tuesday is the day I have to be back in Paris, and that's kind of check-in day. Right. So, like, I have to get to Paris, but there's no deadline when I do it. So, I was going to hop up to Ireland for a day. I'll see. Ireland's great. Well, I, I, I've been watching Band of Brothers, and it dawned on me, how can I go to Europe and not go to Belgium and go to Bastogne? Right. Like, how could I do that? So, I've decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nick to Ireland, which i got to be honest, it would have been me just going up there for an overnighter, which... Partying. Yeah, I, I would rather go do something a little bit more substantial. Go to Temple Bar; it's a fun time. So, so I'm gonna go to I'm, I'm gonna go to Belgium and I'm gonna go straight to Bastogne. And, and honestly, I, I may just kind of walk through the woods a little bit. Right. So, um, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still, I mean, nothing's new, man. Still, in case the army's listening, I'm still waiting on my 20 year letter. <laughs> you're you're late by a good bit, but I can't retire until you send it to me. Right. So. Uh, exciting things on my end of the world, right? I was going to say, you're busy. I am busy. And to make it even better, we've got two shows in the Brazos Valley this weekend. Mm. Um, one. That's right, the New Mexico weekend is here. Yeah, the New Mexico weekend's here. We've got two big shows coming up this week. We've got ourselves the Washington County Fair, and that's going to be uh, with Giovanni and the Hired Guns. And, of course, our headliner is none other than Jason Bolin. So that's going to be a blast. Uh, then we're going to turn around, come back here, and we're going to play in College Station at the Tap. Uh, that'll be a headline show. Um, we're pretty excited about it. KB, uh, not KBTX, um, KAGS did a story on them. Uh, so that's out on the internet. Be sure to go check it out. I saw, I don't know if you tweeted out or you t- retweeted it out. You're playing with Pecos in the rooftops? We're when, up. When is that? Next week. That's next week. Okay. Ne- next week we're going to be opening. I saw that and I was like, oh, all right, well, this podcast may be coming to an end because Rob's about to be Mr. Fancy Pantsy Musician. Oh, see, we're just, yeah, we're staying busy. So, right now, yeah, we've got... Go to the show on Saturday. Yeah, go, please come to the show on Saturday if you feel if you feel spunky. It's going to be a good time. We won't go on until late, but the game's at 11 o'clock. 
You've you got nap. plenty of time to nap, enjoy yourselves, recover a little bit from the game and post game Northgate, whatever you feel, fr- you know, funky fresh doing. And we'll see you guys out there. It's going to be a hell of a night. And honestly, we're getting close to sellout. So I would say get yourself a ticket now. Oh, that's awesome, man. So we're pretty pumped. Um, but yeah, you, you got anything else for me? No, just I, I'm excited for it. And I, I heard some of the kind of the you know the, the press stuff with the team and everybody. And yes. uh, I heard a clip on the radio yesterday. I was, as I was coming home from recording the podcast, that will never be found ever. Uh, yeah, that was irritating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> still irritating. But uh, one of the players is talking about, um, you know, it doesn't matter. It's an eleven o'clock kickoff. You know, it's this is. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, you take it for granted in, in 2019. You took it for granted having fans because then you played in 2020 and you didn't. Right. You know, or you at least had limited capacity. So he said, you know, even eleven o'clock game, it's it's easy to get up for because you know that the twelfth right. man's going to be there. You know, Caulfield's going to be rocking. So right. go. Hydrate. Lord knows what the weather's going to be like. It's been so moderate right now. I'm so confused. Oh, man, I got off the plane in Boston on Friday. Oh, the weather was wicked smart. It wicked was wicked smart. awesome. It was. It was beautiful. It was like 70 degrees, sunny and breezy, like 63 at night. It was It was pretty fantastic. And if you um, ever get a chance, the, the Rye, um, Newcastle kind of area of right. New Hampshire is pretty beautiful. Uh, if you win the lottery, buy a home there. Otherwise, just visit. Because, um, yeah, they're like $2.5 million homes. So I've got four words for you. Mm. Get in, you Reds! Let's go! <laughs> they just beat AC Milan. They had to come back from down. So. See, we're trying to podcast, trying to take this thing seriously, and Rob's over here watching friggin'. I wasn't watching. I was uh. keeping up with it on my phone. Anyway, hey, Champions <laughs> League. Let's rock and roll. Anyway, good times. Make sure you go follow Roy May 15 on Twitter. And, oh, yeah. And uh, Rob the Slapper. The Slapper. The Slapper on Ro- Twitter. Rob the Slapper. On Twitter. Uh, of course, be sure to follow us at Red Ass Podcast. If you guys have questions, uh, topics that you want us to jump in on, we'll be happy to do so. This is going out same day. I'm going to literally upload this as soon as it's done. So I'll be in and around. Um, give us a holler. I'd oh, love to see y'all. Speaking of questions, remember last week we you actually addressed the Iowa-Iowa State rivalry, yes. right? And the nickname is El Asico because yes. it's a – you know what? That wasn't a terrible game. It was okay for once. It's incredible what happens when they're both ranked. Who would have guessed? Yes. Halfway different decent football game. Yeah. All right, so, so fun Hey, thanks for listening, y'all. Share it. Uh, like it. Share it out. Um, thanks. And, again, send in any questions or any ideas. If, if you got something you'd like us to talk about other than just kind of sitting around talking football, which we will do plenty of. Yes, always. But, but, but sometimes we'll add in Christmas references to football. So exactly. What's so, up? So, thanks. And gig them. Beat the hell out of New Mexico. Yes. You'll never walk away. Yeah, whatever.